This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. Hello and welcome to Total Saints Podcast. You're very warmly received and thanks for listening. This is the dedicated weekly podcast that goes to the heart of all things Saints FC. I'm Ben Stanfield, host of TSP. Joining me as always, it's Adam Leach, the Chief Sports Writer at Daily Echo, and Steve Grant, Southampton season ticket holder and owner of saintsweb.co.uk. Now, before we move on, due to Adam Leach's hectic diary, we're actually recording at 10am on uh, Saturday morning, so just after the uh, day of the game. Steve, tell everyone where you were and what time you think you got home. Oh, God. Yeah, I was in Pop World, and I think I got in at about half three. So I'm feeling feeling a little bit fragile. <laughs> well, I think that absolutely deserves a round of applause, the fact that you've had about five hours sleep, and you're still dedicated to the podcast. So, uh, And as for you, Adam, fresh as a daisy, I assume? Uh, yeah, oh, of course, yeah. The problem is that I would complain, because I didn't get home from work until about half past midnight, so I didn't get to bed myself till about half past one-ish. But... Right. Um, but I can hardly complain because I obviously I, I did have a drink when I came in to try and unwind a little bit. But I don't think I probably took myself to quite the level that Steve did. <laughs> I was going to say even half twelve is a long night's sleep compared to what Steve's had then. But uh, uh, good. Well, we absolutely, as I say, we absolutely appreciate your dedication, Steve. I'm sure the listeners will as well. So well done. So uh, good, good man. And uh, look, on this week's episode, we'll look back at this weekend's game, if you can call uh, Friday night officially uh, the weekend against Liverpool. Alongside that, we'll preview next weekend's fixture against Wolves. And we'll also hear from one of our TSP patrons, Alex Hart, who follows Saints from his home in the USA. Now, before we crack on, Adam, we had a couple of questions in uh, just that I thought we could cover off in the intro the last two or three weeks um, based on some of the chats we've been having recently about players uh, sort of in and out of the squad and potential future around them um, one person that we hadn't maybe mentioned was Sam McQueen and a couple of people uh, Matthew Lomas and Gary Fox asked whether we think he still has a future at Saints and or will be looked at by Ralph Hasenhutl going forward of course for those that don't remember he uh, ruptured his anterior cruciate ligament in November while he was on loan at Borough so he's out injured for the foreseeable future Adam but I did give you a bit of a heads up on this so I don't know if there is any thoughts around Sam McQueen and just uh, so we can cover off whether he's someone that we think might be in Ralph's future plans 
Well, it's difficult. Um, obviously, doing doing his ACL uh, is a significant setback. It goes without saying. But um, I think the the bigger problem for him is the position that he plays in and kind of needing to establish himself fairly soon. Now, I mean, you did give me the heads up, so I did ask around about it, and I think it's looking pretty touch and go and probably more on the unlikely side that he'll actually be quite ready for pre-season mm-hmm. um and so if you're not ready for pre-season that's going to be a long time sort of out of ralph's plans it's going to be very hard to force his way back in and if you look at the options i mean we talked about what kind of future somebody like vokins might have a left back with bertrand and target both there and both wanting to play first team football ahead of him yeah well then where does McQueen figure into that? I mean, you know, he's not ahead of Bertrand. He's not ahead of Target. If they want to promote a young player, then unfortunately the ship has sailed in that position. Now, you could argue that he can play further forward. as That's where he sort of made his name. It was Claude that obviously sort of reinvented him as a uh, left back. But again, I've got to be completely honest. I struggle to see it a little bit because I don't see him, you know, breaking through. He couldn't break through previously really as a left winger. He kind of got in as that utility left back and then did really well. But then kind of when that ship passed and the left backs were back and they were fit and available again, he kind of just dropped out of the picture because he wasn't going to play a left back. And he's perhaps not quite up to the grade as a left winger in the Premier League. So um, I'm sure Ralph will want to have a look at him. But I, I and I do feel sorry for him because I just think that the timing of the of the injury, just as he's getting into that kind of peak phase of his career, if you like, is is really rotten. And especially doing it in November, which means, as I said, you're you're pretty likely to then not only miss the rest of the season, but much of, if not all, of preseason is just a really horrible timing for him but if I'm totally honest it, it looks like a bit of a struggle for him from here I would say yeah okay well hopefully that covers off uh, some context around the questions and Steve just looking at other news this week just briefly before we talk about the Liverpool game some more fantastic recognition for the club Ralph obviously nominated again for manager of the month James Ward-Prowse ma- uh, nominated for player of the month and Prowse and Jan Valerie for their goals at Tottenham and uh, Manchester United respectively up for goal of the month as well so some good recognition there yeah, it is. I mean, firstly, there weren't many games played last month, so you've got a relatively small pool to pick from, yep. which kind of gives clubs down the bottom a little bit little bit of a opportunity to get that recognition because ordinarily absolute shoo-in for, for managers and players playing for clubs in the top six because mm. if you've got four or five games in a month then players from, from the bigger clubs are going to shine because they're, they're the clubs that are going to be able to put a run of three or four wins together. Yeah. But we've had a good month, six weeks or so, I think. Mm. I mean, despite obviously not playing for three weeks, yeah. things have gone well in terms of our own results and performances and results and performances from our sort of immediate rivals have have uh, worked in our favour for the most part. So um, it's been good. And if we end up picking up some awards off the back of it, then great. I mean, to be honest, I'd be surprised. Mm. Guardiola's probably going to get it by default, but um, I'm not sure that's necessarily justified. Yeah. But that's, that's the way those things go. It's, at the end of the day, it's ultimately meaningless awards, but nice to have the recognition, I think. Indeed, and uh, yeah, obviously wish them all the best of luck with uh, that. So let's go on with the pod then, in partnership with saintsarchive.com and saintsworld.co.uk. Check out their websites, and we're sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk, and we're complete with a brand new jingle. I'd really love a hot tub, but I don't know where to start. 
How easy is the process? It's as easy as one, two, three. Who are you? I'm the man who puts happy people in hot tubs. One, choose your hot tub at Happy Hot Tubs. Two, choose your accessories. And three, choose how you want to pay. With 0% finance available on selected tubs, we even accept American Express. You deserve happy. And at Happy Hot Tubs, it's as easy as one, two, three. Happyhottubs.co.uk Saints took on Liverpool this past Friday, with the pressure off us somewhat. Despite a positive start, arguably in both halves, it eventually finished 3-1 to the away side. Adam, before we get into talking about the game, I thought the most important thing after your comments last week was that we talk about the, the fire, the light show, the flags, etc, etc. Your reaction to that performance? Well, it was great. I mean, I'd, I was concerned. On Thursday, when I was down at the club, there was talk of... Can we do the light show because uh, the clocks have changed? Is it going to be dark enough for a light show? I was like, come on, it's short. <laughs> it's never too light to put a light show on. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I was stood in the ground and like looking at the sky for three hours, basically, before the game. Just thinking, get dark, get dark, get dark. <laughs> and luckily, it just about got dark enough for a, yeah. for a light show. We had some flames. The thing is, I don't think the flames were quite as exciting as the... Um, the ones were going to be pre-Fulham. There was right. nowhere near as many of the little fire cannons out around. So I think we, unfortunately, we missed probably the best of them. And then the flags, the flags were odd in the, you had those massive flags in the Kingsland and the Itchin. Mm. I mean, every expense was spared on those looking at them. I mean, they were like somebody had got some cheap plastic bin liners and ripped <laughs> them up and sellotaped them to some like plastic sticks yeah and then they laid them out in the side of the stands uh, down the side of the ground and it got to each end and thought oh no we don't have enough to go all the way around uh, what are we going to do at the ends oh we've got these like little miniature flags so why don't we just put those there and, and probably nobody will notice because everybody's got a flag yeah so it, was, it was quite bizarre but yeah I, I mean sort of the whole the whole evening felt like it was a uh, it was a good atmosphere. I must admit, actually, though, um, where I sit, obviously, is just behind like the hospitality areas. Yep. So in front of the corporate boxes, but then behind the hospitality areas. And the atmosphere soured quite a few times because there was quite a Friday night game. You've had a lot of people that have been drinking a lot. I think mm-hmm. where they go from work, roll out. They all turn up, especially in the corporate areas. They're all absolutely battered, basically, yeah. <laughs> game stuff. Like and Steve then <laughs> oh, but Steve, Steve's a nice guy. He's calm, isn't he? Whereas the, mm. the thing, what you get is in those areas, especially, it's probably a lot less in the northern because that's season ticket holder dominated. Mm. But oh, in... you'll be surprised. I have some. I have a story for shortly. Oh, hang on. This is better than mine. I'm going to wrap this up really. Quick. Yeah, yeah. Get on with but, Adam. So Come there on. were lots of scuffles and you know, people having to be ejected and things because inevitably, when the big clubs turn up, yep. a load of Liverpool fans, Tottenham fans, Man United fans, whatever, buy tickets for the mm. hospitality areas because it seems they're much less discerning yeah. about who they'll let into those areas because they're prepared to pay a lot of money. So the, I did feel like the atmosphere was was a great party atmosphere at the start, but it did seem to like sour a little towards the end. But that might have just been the area I was sat in. I don't know. Yeah, good. Right, uh, that's the end of that story. Steve, get on with it. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I, I would. I would say through that. <laughs> no, I, I would say that. That trend was evident pretty much around the ground, I would say. Yeah, I think um, so. I think you've got... I mean, there were there were loads of Liverpool fans all over the place. Mm. Even in the Northern, like, there was this one Scouse guy who must have kept himself to himself for, like, 85 minutes. And then when the third goal went in, 
just decided, well, sod it, I'm just going to go mad now. And he basically threw himself out um, and <laughs> basically just just, wand- just wandered down the um, down the aisle between blocks 40 and 41. And a few people gave him a volley of abuse. And then all of a sudden he turned around and, and decided he wanted to have a pop back. And then seemed surprised when six or seven lads from the back of block 41 um, decided, well, game's over. I might as well just chase him down the stairs. <laughs> I, would, I would be absolutely amazed if he didn't take a pasting <laughs> in the conference. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, to be honest, the way he kind of acted in that last moment, he'd have fully deserved it. Yeah, yeah. I, sh- um, I should add that Total Saints podcast does not advocate violence. We, we do not condone violence. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll have a good chuckle at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there we go. So good. Look, moving Steve's back. views are not necessarily representative. <laughs> not, yeah, representative. Uh, exactly, yeah, <laughs> just to cover ourselves. So, um, look, I mean, you know, kind of epitomises that, Steve, really, moving back to the pitch. I, I must say, as a fan, I find it really hard to enjoy the games against the likes of Man United and Liverpool because of, you know, the, the spam that you see on social media around where you can watch the game and just the plastic fans that you get from these clubs and just the general media best over them to be honest with you so I often think that the sooner they're out of the way and we can just get on with our season the better but look you know moving back to the pitch a lot of effort for Saints you know really really good performance but you know ultimately a disappointing result in the end yeah it was I mean I think for for an hour we were probably the better side Mm. and the lead that we had was deserved and to be honest we should have been two or three up by the time even by the time they equalized when was that what five six minutes before half time um while they'd had a lot of the ball, they barely threatened. They were Liverpool were very pedestrian, I thought, which was which is odd for a team that's in the sort of plop image. Mm. They were very sort of slow and ponderous and didn't really seem to be quite at it. I don't think we were necessarily at the top of our game by any stretch of the imagination. But yeah. I mean, first first twenty minutes we should we should have been three up. Yeah. Long got the goal. And I mean, quite what Andy Robertson's doing there, I've, I've no idea. No. As a left back, he's managed to get himself caught on the right hand side of the goal. There's not going to be anybody covering behind you. Mm. Yes, it's only Shane Long behind, but fancy a Sunday league striker to score from eight yards out with only the keeper to beat. Yeah. And he buried it well and yeah, fair play to him. Like two minutes later, he's then got another chance where I don't know how they've how they've ended up presenting us the ball. Mm. Like Bertrand's ended up with the ball on the corner of the area. Yeah. And I think Long realistically has to score. Yeah. Thing is, you you get some sort of contact on that, and it probably flies past the keeper. Mm, mm. I don't I don't think the keeper is going to have an awful lot of opportunity to react and get anything on it at that close range. Yeah. And obviously, then not entirely sure what Van Dyke's trying to do, but he gets away with it. I mean, if, I think if that own goal ends up just looping into the top corner, I think been glorious. If, Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if we'd then gone on to lose the game 7-2, I think we'd have still been absolutely crowing about that. <laughs> um, just absolute karma that that moment. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, good, it was good enough, to be fair, to see Pierre out jump him for the goal anyway, wasn't it? And as you say, Shane Long, I mean, he was the last striker to score. Adam, we were talking about that last week, weren't we? He was the last striker to score for Saints 12th of January up at Leicester. So, you know, again, Steve, from his point of view, it was quite a simple finish, but at least it will give him some confidence between now and the end of the season, because if he can get one or two more goals, they could be very important for us. Yeah, and every striker is judged on the number of goals they score, regardless of what else they bring to the side. And let's be blunt about it, Long's... Long's uh, returns in front of goal haven't been good enough for the past three seasons. I mean, scoring against one of the top sides, as you say, is only, only going to do his confidence good. Yep. And assuming he's able to keep himself fit for the rest of the season, then I think his performance for, I mean, certainly in the first half last night, mm. I think cements his place in the side for the rest of the season if 
let's let's make the assumption that Ings isn't going to keep himself fit for most of the time, so he's going to get plenty of opportunities. After the game, Adam, Ralph said that maybe Saints scored too early. Other than the obvious point around that, the fact that it was eight minutes into the game, what do you think he meant by that? I guess he meant that it, it kind of was going to always uh, invite more pressure on, on the Saints. Liverpool would potentially step up intensity. I get what he meant as a sort of an abstract theory, but I'm not sure it really turned out like that. Hmm. Um, because as Steve rightly said, I mean, it wasn't really heavy metal football that they were facing, was it? It was more like hair rock than heavy metal it was just just wasn't what kind of what we expected from Liverpool I don't think this there was almost um at times you felt maybe it was just the nerves that they had Mm. but it it almost felt like there was a lack of intensity at times from them like it it was kind of a game that they were almost going through the motions Mm. but then when you saw the reaction when they obviously got the two goals late on you could see how much it meant for them um so perhaps it was just that tension that they were ridden with um maybe that was a problem but yeah it was a strange game in that respect and I mean Steve's right obviously had long converted a very presentable chance to make it 2-0 then yeah. the game could have been very different but I guess those are the things in football aren't they I mean he took one chance not another I mean it feels hard to criticize him too much when he's the only now he's got two goals obviously this year yep. but he's the only striker to have scored for saints and i think the last 17 or 18 matches mm. so you feel a little bit like how can you criticize him for not scoring when the others either seem unable to stay fit for long enough to get themselves on the pitch for more than you know one or two weeks in a row or are in such terrible form that they can't even beat that strike right yeah it seems a bit harsh to criticize him too strongly but yeah if it was 2-0 maybe it'd have been different obviously the first Liverpool goal as well debatably offside in the build-up I mean apparently VAR wouldn't actually have reviewed that because of how much play had gone on um, from that point we had probably half a dozen opportunities to clear that ball um, so well, I, I think that's probably the issue, Steve, isn't it? I mean, if that's the route they're going to go down, whereas you say, I think the, the view that was given was Saints had plenty of times to reset themselves, but the fact was, he was offside. I would like to think that, I mean, while IFAB have been dicking around with sort of minor rule changes that nobody gives a toss about, mm. where you're now not allowed to position an attacker on the end of a wall when you have a free kick, yeah. And yet they've not looked at the offside rule, which is clearly just confusing the hell out of everybody. And it's going to be absolute carnage when VAR comes into the Premier League next season. Yeah, I guess it was inevitable, Steve, wasn't it, that Naby Keita would get his first uh, Liverpool goal against the man that was previously his manager, of course, at Leipzig. And uh, as you say, the offside was uh, frustrating. Um, you know, I don't think any of us understand. It seems to get more confusing any week, uh, every week. But look, a disappointing second goal as well, Adam. But I guess, you know, that's enough Liverpool chat, probably. But in, in terms of Saints being positive, yes, it was from our corner. I think we've been conceding goals from corners since the Premier League came into existence, really, when we we're up the other end of the pitch. But, you know, it was good to see Saints pushing forward, still trying to get that winner obviously Ralph had made a couple of positive subs after that second goal went in as well so you can maybe understand the third goal so as we've spoken about before being nice and positive you know it was good to see Saints trying to push to win the game on the proviso they may lose it then try and sit in for a 1-1 draw and concede something quite disappointingly absolutely I think the um the third goal you can kind of forget I mean that felt very harsh on Saints to me Mm. because the scoreline to me when it went to 3-1 didn't really reflect a, a fair pattern of the match but then you're going to get that because obviously when you're 2-1 down you're going to attack and the reason that Saints didn't attack Liverpool 
for, yeah, on the front foot from the first second, as it were, and just throw Ben forward was because of their quality and they'll pick you off like that. I mean, yeah. they could have scored 20 if Saints have played like that from the first minute, which is why you don't play like that. So forget the third goal. I think, you know, 2-1 would have been a fair reflection uh, of the game and also, of course, a correct prediction from me. Um, so that we, <laughs> that's, we're that's, forgetting that's the third the, goal entirely. Emotion. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Steve got it right. Well done, Steve. Oh, yeah, I, I was fuming with Jordan Henderson, needless to say. <laughs> that's another three points. Three points. Yeah. That, Steve's that, actually increasing this. That did seem like a really bizarre double substitution, didn't it? Yeah. At the time, when with, yes, the, score, with the score at 1-1, to take off Alexander-Arnold, who'd been involved a lot from right back, obviously put Milner as a direct replacement, and then have Henderson, who he's improved a lot over the last couple of years, but I don't think he's the sort of driving force from the centre of midfield that that you would necessarily call upon in a situation where you need to win a game mm. um, with 25 minutes to go. Yep. And that did seem like a really odd double substitution. Yeah. I, think the, um, um, I mean, I, I, no, ultimately it's worked, but I think the uh, the game didn't hinge on that substitution. It was more by luck than design, I think. Well, yeah. I think the, the Milner substitution Klopp said afterwards was basically because Saints' biggest attacking threat in that sort of period whereby Liverpool were, were, you know, they had a lot of the ball in the second half, although they weren't doing much with it, was down that wing with Redmond uh, yeah. running at Arnold. And I think he brought on Milner to think, actually, you know what, if I plug that gap, then at the moment, it doesn't look like there's any other way Saints are going to score yep. if I plug the Bertrand Redmond wing. Um, so I think that's why he he chucked on Milner. And to be fair, it worked. And obviously then, I think because Long had been out injured, he was he looked out on his feet, didn't he? So he obviously... Oh, he was knackered, yeah. Yeah, he had to take Long off. And then because of that lack of sort of running options up front, he then had to move Redmond up front. He put Sims in, but Sims had a somewhat limited impact uh, is hard coming on at that time in, in games against those sort of teams and so they they did really shut down Saints as an attacking threat with that one substitution from Klopp um, obviously the Henderson one paid off with a goal I, I kind of know what Steve means about that I feel sort of felt the same and that thought, sort of raised an eyebrow when I saw that was the double change not yeah. so much Milner because I did think well Redmond's having some joy here but the Henderson one you kind of expected Shakiri or something to be coming on at that point in the game when they were chasing it. Yeah. Shakiri's played very little football in the last three months. It's been very strange. Well, and, and obviously, uh, uh, and obviously, Adam Lallana didn't fancy it again. Bearing in mind that's the second time in three seasons that he failed to turn up. I yeah. can imagine, probably bearing in mind, we've seen better half-time relay performances from some of the kids at St Mary's since he left than uh, from him at St Mary's, and uh, probably didn't fancy the boost, Steve. No, he's obviously got form for that. Um, <laughs> And obviously, obviously, Klopp did his usual classless thing of um, giving us Dayan Lovren for a minute as well. <laughs> um, I mean, that game last season where he basically brought all of them on um, for the last the last five or ten minutes when the game was done. Yeah, it was like you're just absolutely taking the piss. I here. know. I know. Again, um, we, we don't condone violence, but that would have been a nice moment to maybe try it. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean it is, once, <laughs> once, once, once it went 3-1... I'm the only like, pacifist here, really. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. You'd, you'd yeah. have to stop us, I think, Adam. Yeah, I think, well, I think once it went 3-1, you're kind of thinking, well, someone just leave something on someone, please. Just give, just give <laughs> yeah. us something out of this game. Just some some sort of satisfaction. On the pitch rather than on, in the stands, yeah. Yeah, but I think on the second goal, sorry, um, coming back to your question, uh, was... Um, I can't even remember what it was now. It, well, it, <laughs> Saints were attacking, weren't they? they yeah, that's right. Yeah. It was from our um, corner. It kind of shows that the luck you get when you're in their sort of position. Yeah. I mean, uh, Ward Prowse's shot from 25 yards with his left foot 
in any other game, that ball takes a deflection off Marnie and goes out for a throw-in. Mm. But it just drops onto, I think, Henderson's head, didn't it? And he, yeah. he headed it through to Salah, and it's like, oh... God, we're in trouble here. Yeah, yeah, I know that was. The I'm thing. just thinking, so, someone just kick him when he's got the ball in the centre circle. Just kick him. Take a book. Take a. <laughs> Steve, you're sounding so violent. This is no, 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 this no, is gen- the alcohol gen- talking. Just, no, no, take the booking. I mean, obviously Bertrand couldn't. He'd already been booked for time wasting. Yeah. Um, having previously been warned about it like a minute earlier. Yeah. I kind of thought Redmond was the one that looked as if he got back and was closest to being able to do it. Mm. And I'm thinking before he shoots, just take him out. Yeah. Obviously, you, you're going to give away a free kick. You're going to get at least a booking. But take one for the team. We're, we're one all. We're, we're in this game. Mm. And Liverpool didn't look like scoring in that second half. Well, at any point during the game, I didn't think, really. Mm. Um, I don't think Guns had a save to make. And yet, somehow, we've ended up losing 3-1. That would be the biggest frustration, that we were comfortably on terms in that game. And to lose by two goals is... is Harsh. Very, very disappointing, and yeah, massively harsh. Yeah, I agree with Steve. I think, I think, you know, you look at the effort that Redmond put in to get back, mm. chase back for Salah. I mean, he caught Salah effectively, but um, obviously tried to cover one of the overlapping runs. And um, while Bertrand actually did kind of, up until the last moment, a relatively good job of backing, 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 but not committing himself. So well, he was, do, he was, he was trying to there. do what Van Dyke did against Spurs last yes. uh, the other week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, trying to try and split them. Yeah, yeah. But, but of course the the ball is at the feet of Mo Salah rather than uh, Mo Salah. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're always likely to get a slightly different outcome, I think. Yeah, I think so. But I think if Redmond had just taken him out and taken yeah. the booking, but I mean, it's he at the moment stuff, isn't it? You're just trying to yeah. get back in there. I mean. That's that's the thing. I think um, that's one thing that I'm sure I hate the the term game management that Mm. this gets bandied around now. But I think that's something the Saints need to be a bit wiser because they got they got it wrong. I felt like last night in that Bertrand got booked for time wasting in in utterly ridiculous circumstances. That was crazy game management to Mm. run to get yourself booked in that Mm. kind of circumstance. And yet when it's like give away a foul there for possibly Redmond and take the yellow card, mm. that makes sense. I mean, what the absolute masters of game management in the Premier League, a Man City, for my liking, yeah. they mm. foul so often, every yeah. single yeah. time. They are so, they are the most, because they, they got such great attacking flair, mm. they get kind of get away with it in, in like the, the neutral's mind, but they are the most cynical team I think I've ever seen. I mean, yeah. literally, any hint of any break anywhere is foul. Foul mm. straight away. The mm. team... Three or four passes, they're getting a bit of momentum. Foul. Yeah. It's you know, niggly foul, niggly foul. Nothing bad. Just yeah, we'll just nudge him over. We'll just yeah. just give him a little kick. Just make sure that it breaks the play, it breaks the rhythm. That is good game management. Not getting booked with you know half an hour to go. Virtually stood there you know, dwelling over a uh, throw-in, having just been warned. Well, but we are we are the worst team in the country at throw-ins. Genuinely, <laughs> we yeah. are just abysmal at throw-ins, and I've. I've I'm sure I've said this before, but just the the number of times that we actually retain possession when mm. we've got a throw in in the opposition half is pathetic. Yeah. And we've really got to work on that. Yeah. I think I saw this week that we actually have the most yellow cards as well this season, which is ironic uh, when you think about some of the uh, situations we could have had them from. But, uh, they did there have we go. Mark Hughes' manager. Well, that's though. true. That's true. So, <laughs> look, last thing, on the, uh, last thing on the Liverpool game then, Adam. Um, so, Matthew Elsie you know, asked the question around, despite the result, did we think it was one of the best performances of the season? So, just on that, and in terms of you know how much confidence Saints can take from the game despite the result, what's your view? For me, a lot. Because... 
it wasn't just the performance. There was something about last night, the whole uh, feeling before the game. It just felt different. Mm. And, uh, and that's because they'd been on good form. They'd won some matches. They'd been competitive. Um, it felt like they could give Liverpool a game. It felt like there was a real big game atmosphere at St Mary's. And it's not that we haven't had big teams coming to St Mary's in recent years chasing important milestones, um, whatever they may be. But there's always been that feeling that Saints won't really compete with them. As whereas last night, there was that sneaking feeling of, you know what, they could give them a real game here. Mm. Nobody probably expected anything other than a Liverpool win out of it. But that suspicion of there is a chance that Saints might get something here. And that felt so different to what we've seen before. And then the game bore that out. The Saints scored early, they got a goal, they made it very difficult, and Liverpool didn't eventually get the win until the final moments of the game, basically, the final 10 minutes of the game. And that felt so different. They were competitive throughout. Yes, they did get pinned back in the second half, but they didn't just defend the entire time. They offered a threat. They weren't just playing to keep Liverpool out the whole time. Um, that was more just Liverpool exerting some more dominance because of their extra quality, which they, they have got. Um, over Saints so I thought it was a I was really enthused overall by last night it was a real shame obviously the result didn't mm. ultimately um, bear fruit for them but actually just the whole feeling around the place it just felt like I think I put in my verdict you know Saints are back yeah they're back again you know this is uh, there's a lot to do yes and you don't want to over egg it but you know we've been talking for weeks now they've got a good manager they're going the right way. Yes, they've got a massive summer. Yes, they've got to deliver, you know, much, much better in the transfer market this summer than they have done in the last few years, which have obviously been a complete shambles mm. transfer wise. But you know what? This feels like something that's going the right way. There's just that feeling. And last night, despite the result, you came away thinking, yeah, this is going well. And, and also, uh, I, I mean, people were turning up to the game last night actually looking forward to the match. The number of conversations I've had with people in the build-up of, of people going, oh, I'm really looking forward to Friday. Oh, it's going to be a great you know, occasion. We could, do you think we can give them a game? You know, what, what do you think will happen? I'm really looking excited about this one. Well, for the last like, two years, most times everybody's turned up. It's been like, oh, God, do I have to go to the football again? Yeah. Well, I suppose I better go. And then afterwards, obviously, they trudge away going, well, yeah, that was as terrible as I thought it was going to be. I don't know why I bother. As whereas this was actually, uh, there was talking about, yeah, we've had a lot of conversation here, a lot of things to talk about. It's been much more interesting yep. um, to discuss it. And yeah, I just it just felt like that was my overriding feelings from the night. So very positive. Now, several weeks ago, courtesy of an email from a friend of his, I laid the gauntlet down to Alex Hart. Alex lives in uh, Los Angeles, but is originally from San Francisco, and uh, I asked him to become a TSP patron via patreon.com Total Saints Pod. Little did I remember, or have Adam to clarify, that Alex had become a patron of ours at the latter part of 2018, so slightly awkward on uh, my point of view. So it seemed only right to find the opportunity to get Alex on the pod, both to apologise and also to hear a little bit about his background as part of the global Saints family. And that time is now. Alex, I'm sorry. 
<laughs> all good, all good. I'm, I'm so happy to be here that it, it's almost worth it. I know, I know. Great. And uh, yeah, um, as I mentioned, I know you're a big Saints fan, Alex. So um, I, I wonder if you could sort of tell us how you got into following Saints. Yeah, so I grew up playing soccer, actually football. Excuse me. <laughs> I played. Uh, I played through university, and I was kind of one of those players. You guys talked about it a few weeks ago about people who played but didn't necessarily love playing. So mm. a Ben Foster or Michael Owen type. So when I got done playing at school, I was kind of over it, but got back into the game a couple years ago when I moved back to San Francisco. And before, I had never had a team I supported. I, you know, my dad, he's uh, originally his family's originally from England, so we'd watch the Prem in in the mornings. We'd get up and watch, but I always kind of just flitted around with a team and wanted to, when I got back into it for a second time to have a team I support and made very clear that I wasn't going to be a top six chaser, unlike many of my friends. <laughs> so. It was actually the year that that Saints had gotten promoted, right? And I remember watching them and thinking, you know, this is this is a fun team. They've got some young players, and you know, they they're, they're they were going at teams. You mm -hmm. know, a lot yeah. of times when times when you see teams get promoted, they sit back and you know, kind of absorb pressure and try to get a goal, nick one off you. Yep. But they would go out and play with teams, and so I said, okay, that's it. That's my team, and I must admit, it's been a very lucky <laughs> pick in certain ways, considering how the last eight years went or seven years went up until last year but yeah it's, it's been a pretty amazing experience and now you know i've got one of my best mates john who obviously mm -hmm. laid down the gauntlet he's <laughs> a fan and a number of my best friends are all very into it and and it's funny because wherever i go i always end up running into one or two people who you know might maybe they're wearing a name tag that says they're from southampton and yeah. i say oh you're a saints fan and <laughs> it's a small world in that yeah, regard absolutely well i think that's part of the special thing of being a saints fan you know it's easy to support some of the big boys and there's uh, a lot more of their fans around the country uh, around the world than ours but uh, i think that makes it special look before we move on and talk about saints obviously you've said that you started playing in inverted commas soccer again alex so where's your position on the pitch where do you sort of uh, you know use your expertise from I was one of those people who started as a striker and then slowly as my career progressed I moved further and further <laughs> back and I've never made it to be a, a goalkeeper but uh ended as a center half and yeah. absolutely hated it <laughs> <laughs> well it, it says a lot but I played in goal for 20 years so I never even made it forward so there we go but uh, yeah. good stuff and uh, some of your favorite memories so you spoke about Saints there obviously as you say it's been a bit of an emotional roller coaster for eight years I'm sure it will be for the rest of your Saints career Alex but some of your sort of favorite memories and players over that time the first match that really sticks out to me that was when I was getting into them was, I think it was right after they hired Pochettino and they beat Man City 3-1, 4-1 maybe. Yep. I can't remember the exact score. Gareth Barry puts in the last goal on, yeah. on a ridiculous own goal where it looks like he's <laughs> passing it into the bottom corner. And and just seeing a team you know, of, of Saints' nature go out and just take it to a big boy like that I was that was the moment when I was hooked yeah um in more recent years you know the the comeback against Liverpool the 3-2 match was was one that definitely stands out to me and then I've been fortunate enough to actually see them live now on three occasions so I went out and saw them at West Ham a couple years ago around Christmas mm -hmm. they lost 2-1 Andy Carroll unfortunately yeah uh, so that was pretty bleak and then I was there <laughs> This year for the the Brighton home match, that was my first trip to St. Mary's, the the two two match. So yeah. again, yeah, uh, a match where we got ahead and and gave away the lead. Though that seems <laughs> to be in keeping with things. And then honestly, the the pinnacle of my experience was when we made the the League Cup final. Mm -hmm. I, I flew out for the weekend and and went to the League Cup final oh, at brilliant. Wembley. And and th that was I, I I would say probably the one of the best sporting 
you know, experiences I've had in my yeah. life. So hard to, hard to top that. Obviously, hopefully, uh, you know, I'd love to see them back there, even just making a cup run going deep and something like that, or, you know, and then getting to watch them play Inter Milan was, was, mm. was pretty as well yeah I think you're, you're right I mean that moment when Gabbiadini put the equaliser in I think for any of us that have supported Saints 50-60 years whether it's you know your first game I, I think um, there's there's very few moments in your career I, I was lucky enough to be at Wembley that moment and uh, just the atmosphere when he scored and everything was absolutely amazing and uh, yeah you'll get used to it over the uh, the years Alex as you, as you say following them that long I promise having followed them 30 years they throw away a lot of leads I promise you so uh, there, there we go <laughs> and, this uh, year in particular <laughs> exactly, leading the league exactly. in points so, from, from leading positions oh, by like dreadful. 20 points um, and what about the sort of team now as we've spoken about the the history a little bit what about now and Ralph Hasenhutter what are you sort of making of the current Saints uh, environment yeah you know it's it's funny I I watched the club maybe a month ago or so around when Hasenhutter was sort of you know putting his influence on the team and and it really had this feeling of almost oh you know this is the team I fell in love with again Mm. you know a little bit more swashbuckling a little bit more unafraid to play a little bit more of an identity of course knock on wood hope, hoping they stay up assuming they stay up yep. it would be hard not to feel good going into next year and giving Hassenhudel a, a full summer like you guys say and you know I, I listened to the podcast where you talked about the summer plans I think you know pretty robust summer clear out is needed uh would love to see a, a bigger signing or two mm. um, maybe some quality over quantity I mean I, the idea of Mitrovic as a striker, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I think Ings is great, but I always think maybe if we have him for four or five years, we'll get one year where he's healthy close to the whole year and he'll score 18 goals. We'll get two years where he'll be kind of like he was this year and then we'll get one year where he's never healthy. So yeah. you kind of need another striker. Um, but it, it's hard, it's hard not to have more positive feelings. You know, you got guys like Hoiberg's clearly a leader. Uh, I think Maya Yoshida really settles down the back when he plays there. So it, it, it's hard not to feel more optimistic. And, and I think, you know, with a bit more identity, you know, you read all the quotes that are coming out, you know, about Hughes and, and you know, not knowing who's playing where and players having a go at each other, but not really knowing why or what was going on. It just feels night and day almost. So. Yeah. Hard not to feel a little bit more optimistic. Yeah, and we know the the Premier League gets a lot of coverage. There's a good friend of ours who's a Saints fan, Joe Prince Wright, who I know yeah. does a lot of work with NBC, and uh, you know we know the coverage has grown over there. And Joe's spoken about it, and the likes of Matt Markstone, who obviously does his great pod as well. And uh, yeah. you know, I, I guess the one thing living that far away in California then is even a three o'clock kickoff on a Saturday is what seven a.m. for you. So how how sort of hard is it, or motivating, or difficult is it to get online first thing in the morning, try and keep up with the coverage when it's effectively you know breakfast time, really, isn't it? Honestly, I've always been the type of, you know, I was a kid who loved sports growing up, watching sports. So it's kind of just all been distilled into, into supporting Saints. So, you know, my girlfriend can attest most Saturdays I'm up at 645 checking yeah. the team sheet. And <laughs> it's a, it's a huge advantage that we have. We get to watch, you know, every match is available to us, you know, provided we pay. Mm. You know, it blows my mind in this, in certain ways that, you know, the, the 3 p.m. matches aren't televised. That's you know, right. I know obviously yeah. there's, there's, you know, sort of long standing historical reasons for that. But, you know, the idea that you wouldn't be able to watch your team play if you're not going to the match is so foreign to mm. an American yeah. where, you know, the television basically owns the sport. So, in that regard, I feel very fortunate. And, and yeah, it can be tough, you know, usually when it's the, what is it? They, they sometimes have a 1230 yeah. or 12 o'clock kickoff. Yeah. You know, sometimes I'll skip those or if it's a match that's interesting, I'll get up for the second half. And, and, you know, if they're 
winning or it's you know even i will watch and if it's they're down three nothing to city i'll call it a day yeah no i don't blame you uh, i don't blame you yeah yeah it's pretty good yeah obviously the most important question just before we get a wolves prediction then from you alex i was going to ask you what it's like to be a tsp patron because you're one of our 26 around the world so we're very (laughs) grateful for that so uh, what's the best thing about being a tsp patron other than i I struggle to think of one thing to be honest with you but (laughs) you know honestly i discovered the podcast last year as it uh sort of became as it sort of developed and uh, you know, just being able to say I support something related to the club is yeah. fun. You know, yeah. a, a few years ago, the the Daily Echo did a, you know, show us your best Saints picture competition mm-hmm. where people send in pictures. I think it was actually called the Hottest Saints Fan. Right. So me and John sent in a picture of us. It was the year that we didn't have branded jerseys. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you remember, but they were arguably two sizes too small so we sent <laughs> pictures of ourselves in what were essentially under armor training garments and, yeah. and it just feels good to connect with the club in any way that you can you know from however many thousand miles away because it is a club that feels like it, it cares about the supporters to an extent and you know it, the supporters have a large identity with the club so mm. just feeling tied to it in any sort of way is pretty meaningful yeah perfect all right we're coming towards the end of the season now alex it's been very topsy-turvy as we say if, if you had to pick one name for your player of the season for saints i know i put you totally on the spot there because you're not expecting this question but uh who, who would you sort of pick out as your player of the year for saints i think it would be hard for me not to pick uh ward prowse or mm-hmm. prousey just based on some of the big goals he scored that i think have really given the side a lift mm-hmm. in a lot of these matches i think sometimes you know the goal at Man U, you know, obviously they go on to lose that match, but I think a, a, a goal like that on a stage like that can just really can be a lift for the club uh, yeah. going forward. And I think, you know, obviously he then does it again against Tottenham. The other guys who come to mind were probably Hoiberg, you know, yeah. provided he can stay on the pitch and doesn't, you know, doesn't pick up any more silly yellows and reds. He's clearly developed into a leader. And, you know, mm. unfortunately, he's probably the guy who, when you look at the club, you think, you know, in the next two or three years, if anybody's going to get picked off to go to a, a big club, I wonder if, if Man City can't get Declan Rice, if they'll bring him in, considering yep. he played with Pep already at, at Bayern. Yep. So I would say they're probably one of those two, but I, I also honorable mention to, to Redmond. Mm-hmm. He can be aggravating still at times, but then so is Sadio Mane when he was on the team, and, and he really is a creative force, and, and I think probably one of those three deserved the plaudits. Yeah, no, I think that's a good shout. So, brilliant. All right, and then the podcast is obviously going to be out ahead of uh, the Wolverhampton Wanderers game next weekend, so what's your prediction for that one? And I, I should add, we're recording pre-Liverpool, to be fair to you as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's up to you to decide whether or not you guys can still choose this score, but feels like a 1-1 draw. Yeah. It's funny. I saw I saw a recent table that shows that against the top six, Wolves are like fourth in the table. Mm-hmm. If you do a top six table with Wolves, and then if you do a bottom six table with Wolves, they're like third from bottom. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think they're a team that, you know, you'll see the best of them when sort of a team sometimes will bring out the best in them. So mm. I think probably a 1-1 draw, which would probably in my mind leave all parties pretty content and yeah. i think you know provided saints get another result maybe against newcastle maybe against bournemouth i mean realistically that might be enough just another uh, a win and a drop cardiff and burnley both have tough run-ins but yeah we'll see i think i, I think i'd go for a 1-1 draw fantastic well we're very grateful for your uh, your patron support as we are to all the other guys including your mate john alex really appreciate you coming on and uh, lovely to catch up with you on tsp yeah, thanks, Ben. Really, really appreciate it. Say hi to Lychee and Steve for me, and uh, all the best.
Podcast. Little Saints Podcast with Ben Stanfield, Adam Leach and Steve Grant. Sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk. Next up for Saints is Wolverhampton Wanderers at St Mary's next weekend. Steve, what have you made of Wolves this season? I guess at time of recording, they're seventh in the Premier League. They're in an FA Cup semi-final. So, um, you know, certainly been a good season back for them in the uh, top flight. Yeah, I mean, I think even with the knowledge that they were going to a spend a bit of money and b they've obviously got the contacts through um, this slightly iffy arrangement with uh, George, George Mendes, Mendes yeah. that they were always going to have a pretty strong squad. But I don't think anybody quite expected them to be well, to win what is effectively the Everton Trophy, <laughs> as um, as I know uh, Max Rushton likes to refer to on uh, on the Guardian's uh, Football Weekly podcast. Yeah. But yeah, they've they've been very good overall. Been interested to see the sort of contrast in performances when been shown on TV. Obviously, in their games against the bigger sides, they've tended to put on a pretty good performance, and their their results against top six is excellent. I think mm. they've got like th- I think they've got thirteen points from from the top six. Yep. I and mean, weirdly, we're in second on that particular table, which is just strange mm. uh, given the way we've we've played over the last three years. Yeah, but. Yeah, they've been decent against the better opposition. I mean, they've been slightly iffy against teams that are quite happy to defend deep. Mm. Um, having a double done over you by Huddersfield isn't a good look. <laughs> um, without scoring. A bit like Cardiff and us. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, I mean, H- Huddersfield are a whole new level of rubbish. Yeah, though. true. And, um, I mean, they really should have been competing with Derby for that um, mm. that record low points total. Yeah. And it's, it's only because of Wolves' incapability of turning up against them that, mm. that they're not in that conversation yeah so i mean wolves, wolves have got a bit of work to do to sort out how they break down these defenses but ultimately they're not going to come up against that that sort of situation against us next week yeah so i suspect it'll be quite an open game next week yeah when uh, we reflect back on the uh, performance by us up there earlier in the season then adam it kind of summed up life under mark hughes being a pretty average performance and then throwing it away at the end but uh, you know important this time around and more than likely i think we know that uh, we'll give them a much tougher game well you'd hope so wouldn't you i think there's every you know every reason to be optimistic that they can give them a hard game and get a win as well i mean the the form at home is is much improved i mean that has obviously been the the big thing and that's been a theme of the last few years of mm. how terrible saints have been at home i mean since cumin left really so saints were better away from home under cumin yep. don't get me wrong they were better away from home but they still at least you know there were some plenty of good performances at home as well even though they were a little less consistent and then under cord um, obviously, pretty much all the best performances came away from home. Uh, under Pellegrino, they pretty much were unable to ever win at home. And then, you know, things weren't really a lot better under Hughes. And it's taken the Hasenhutl effect, a uh, galvanising effect, to really um, make the Saints a force again at St Mary's. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'd expect them to be very, very competitive with Wolves. I mean, maybe Wolves have perhaps a tiny bit more quality at this point in time i would i would say that's probably fair but ultimately this is another one of those good tests i think because the where wolves are and that kind of area of the table they're competing in that's really where saints want to get back to yeah that's where they want to be next season under hasenhutl that's where they think he can take them we're not looking at them trying to break the top six or anything like that next year but for them to can be competing in the area of the table that wolves are this year that mm. 
um, Watford are, that Everton are, that Leicester are, to be back in that conversation with those sort of teams is where Saints need to be heading, really. And they are heading that way in terms of the form that I know you you spoke about last week on the pod. Mm. Um, So this is a good chance to match yourself up against a team like that. The Liverpool test is a good test in so much as you're playing, forget big six. I mean, these are two elite teams, really. They're the Man City. They're, They're miles ahead of the other top six teams. So, you know, it's a great test and a great occasion to have that. Uh, sort of team down especially when they're chasing the title but realistically Saints aren't going to be competing against Liverpool or Man City um, anytime soon in the table but they are going to try to be competing against Wolves in that kind of area of the table so this is a real a good sort of test a good marker and they've got a few of these coming up actually because obviously they've got after the Newcastle game, they're playing Watford, who are in that kind of bracket. Yep. Bournemouth, who are maybe just a bit below that bracket, but they're still they're still bridging the gap. They're not the relegation-threatened clubs yep. bracket. So they've kind of got some of these coming up now, where we'll sort of get a sense as to probably where they really are under Ralph mm. um, against the competition of, of, of teams that they actually will be vying with, hopefully, again next season. So it'll be really interesting to see how they match up. Yeah, I guess hopefully you're thinking those sort of clubs, Watford, Bournemouth, etc., will be safe and have nothing to play for, and the you know the Saints' intensity might be a bit uh, you know mean that we can hopefully get a, a better performance out of us, and some of their clubs might be thinking about the summer holidays, etc. But just looking ahead to the game, and Steve, final couple of questions before we do our predictions. Where do you sort of see Wolves' threats? I know they've got quite a few talented players, so which ones do you think we should be looking out for? They're a very good side on the break, aren't they? As evidenced by their as I say, their performances against the against the better sides where they kind of soak up a bit of pressure and spring quickly on the on the counter. So yep. players like Raul Jimenez, who's it's weird for a for a guy who they've literally just paid thirty million pounds for mm. uh, to make his loan permanent from Benfica, he's kind of gone a little bit under the radar, I think. He's mm. been slightly underrated, I think. He's a he's a very good target man. Um brings others into play, but he's he's also got a little bit of a turn and pace about him. Yeah. So him and Diego Hotter, who tends to sort of play in that that sort of little sort of support striker role, buzzing around alongside him. Yeah. Those two are very dangerous. You then also sort of further back, you got a player of the quality of Jal Moutinho, who's he's superb, and, isn't he? No, he's, 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 he's fantastic. a fantastic player. And, he makes I mean, the game look very easy. Yeah. Mm. And for them to have got him for five million quid, I mean, yeah, I know he's the wrong side of thirty, but. I mean, he's he's a quality player, mm. and um, he wouldn't look out of place in most of the top six. Yeah. Um, I mean, perhaps City and maybe Liverpool are probably the only two sides he doesn't get into. Yeah. Um, and yet they got him for peanuts, really. Yeah. And of course we've uh, seen Cedric Suarez linked with Wolves already, and of course he's a client of George uh, Mendes. Yeah. I'll yeah. Join him <laughs> <laughs> I think most of us would. Look, just finally then, Adam, from a Saints point of view, um, you know, Danny Ings should be back. Mario Lamina, maybe we we don't quite know what's going on with him, but uh, I, he's still laughing at his I've comment. I've got the <laughs> image of uh, Cedric alongside yeah. Steve in, in his, his Mustang, Mustang. <laughs> going up to Wolverhampton. Yeah. Conversation would be with, glorious. Yeah, with the fox still ingrained in the bumper, but uh, yeah, there we go. So. Um, look, um, I guess with only six games to go now, Adam, and the Liverpool free hit out of the way, the pressure is back on us again to try and pick up, you know, ideally three points. Yeah, we've all said that, that they're virtually home and hose now, almost, but they are, it is still almost. So they yeah. do still have to get over the line. And yeah, there is obviously going to be more pressure, particularly on the home games, 
Um, well, there's also now um, a slight change in the, the flip side of obviously people wanting to come and watch the games and being excited about it is that there is expectation yep. um, to deliver as well. So they kind of have got to deal with that. I mean, I don't think that's overly onerous at this stage, but they do still have to deal with it. And yeah, as Steve rightly said, Wolves have got quality. They've got some good attacking players. They will be a threat. This is not a straightforward victory, you don't think, for Saints. So... There's still a bit on it, but yeah, this is still a good chance for three points. And I just feel like they need or they will want to get this done as quickly as possible. They don't want this dragging on, even though, you know, even if they had a little dip now and they lost a couple of matches, realistically, you don't feel I don't think it would be exactly getting to panic stations about, you know, when you if you were looking at it in the cold light of day. Mm. But the sooner that they can get the points on the board where they basically know that that's it, then the better from their point of view. Yeah. All right. Right. Let's have some predictions. And Steve went first last week and obviously nailed it. I mean, Steve is miles ahead in the prediction league now. It's uh, yours to lose, Steve. So, Adam, let's go with you. Oh, is it worth even bothering anymore? Of course I mean, it Steve, is. Of course it is. Jordan Henderson. Totally Defeatist attitude. Um <laughs> Right, okay, well, I'll tell you what, I'll go for, a, oh, I was going to say 2-1 again, but it didn't serve me well, did it? So, I'll go 3-1 Saints. 3-1 Saints, alright. Steve, what about you? I'm going to go for a entertaining 2 all draw. 2 all draw. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's back. It's been a while. It's been a while, he's dusted it off, but out it comes again, so good, so brilliant. Alright, I'm going to go just like Are you um, going to do Steve? Are you going to do a Steve? you going to bring out your classic 0-1. No, no, no. <laughs> I've been a bit more positive than that. So uh, just like Alec in his interview with us, uh, I'm going to go for one all actually. So pr- probably not enough, but it's another point in the right direction, isn't it? Thanks to you for sticking with TSP70 to this point. A big thank you to Alex for joining us from the USA. Steve, well done. You made it through. How are you feeling? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, eight, <laughs> minute, eight minutes still got to check out of the hotel. So, right. uh, Good. Well, we don't want you to get a fine, so we better uh, wrap it up there then. But uh, we'll be back next week when we'll look back at the uh, game against Wolves. We'll also have our next Total Recall as Will and Leon from Saints Archive will be joining me to look back on a famous 2016 Europa League home win. Until then, keep marching in. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be right. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like 
you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> this was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, <laughs> yeah, you, you were different. Like you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.